Hey everybody, welcome to episode 27 of the Defend Your Ground podcast. This is Ben, the Executive Director of Blue Ribbon Coalition. I'm here today with our Policy Director, Simone. We want to talk to you about some things going on with the Forest Service right now. Uh, we're going to lead off with a hearing that happened just a couple days ago in Congress. Uh, the members of Congress brought in some leaders of the Forest Service, including the head of the Forest Service, Randy Moore, to discuss their concerns about recent wildfires and the Forest Service's approach to fighting those wildfires. We had some big ones last year, a big one in New Mexico that uh, there's definitely been, has created some changes in how the Forest Service fights fires because of the damage that that one caused. And I want to read about one of these articles we read, talks about this hearing. And the article ends by saying, more acknowledged to the legislators that lawsuits by environmental groups over timber projects and endangered species, along with previous policy decisions to limit access to roadless areas within the national forest system have made it harder to treat areas. And so to summarize, the the chief of the Forest Service is saying that lawsuits over timber projects and endangered species and the limited access that comes from roadless areas are making it incredibly difficult for the agency to actually fight and protect our forests from wildfires. Uh, at Blue Ribbon Coalition, we're right in the heart of a lot of these same legal actions, these planning processes. We advocate for active forest management. We want the forest to manage our national forests. And, of course, we don't like roadless areas. We think road roads into the forest give recreation access and make them a benefit that the public can enjoy. And they also make it easier to manage the forest, believe it or not. Um, so, Simone, you've been busy the last two years. You've done probably hundreds of uh, public comments and dozens of action alerts about these timber projects. Why don't you talk to us about some of those and some of the things you've learned about what's going on here with our national forests? Yeah, so just like you said, so Randy Moore and the Forest Service, we are seeing a pattern that the Forest Service does want to move forward on these projects. They are trying to manage the forests. But because of the scrutiny from these environmental groups and the you know countless lawsuits over every single vegetation project, timber project, um, road treatments, I mean, every little thing, they are suing the Forest Service over. So we have participated all the way through the objection periods and participated in objection resolution meetings for like the Creek Fire Restoration in California, um, the El Dorado, uh, the Dollar Ridge vegetation treatment that's going on right now um, in the Ashley National Forest in Utah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're seeing it primarily in the Western United States, obviously, because that's where the majority of the national forests are. Um, but we, we comment on projects throughout the entire United States. There's even some that we see in the South and, um, in the Eastern United States. And so we are heavily involved in these and we are trying to get more involved. I'm trying to learn more about the whole process and each objection resolution meeting that I participate in. I learn more about how these environmental groups work, um, and how they are just relentless in their objections and what they are asking for and how they want the Forest Service to basically not manage the forests. 
and they are suing over every little thing. They don't want these treatments to go forward. And so we're seeing that agencies appreciate when we are involved and that we're supportive of the projects, because not only are these projects keeping access for recreation that we advocate for, but I mean, you have to remember that these wildfires are causing people's homes to be destroyed, um, their properties, lives are lost. Um, so Not it's, just it's, people. I mean, the, the homes of spotted owls are being destroyed and of all uh, name an endangered species, the frogs that the snowmobiles are running over probably don't do well in a wildfire. And that's uh, what they sue over is endangered species. And they're worried that these treatments are going to harm wildlife and their habitat. But I would argue that a wildfire is much more catastrophic than some of these vegetation treatments. I think everybody, most everybody would argue that. Yeah, that so you were what? recently in a resolution objection meeting with the El Dorado National Forest. And most of the time you come into an objection meeting and it's all the participants, the stakeholders, or we hate this plan for reason X and we don't want you to go forward with the plan. And that is who, that is who was, who else was on the objection resolution meeting with you? So that was a pre-objection resolution meeting. They haven't held the official objection resolution meeting yet. Um, But it's typically just organizations that are against the project. um, And then the agencies are appreciative that we're there showing support um, so that they, we, we can show the other side of it um, because like this, this pre objection resolution meeting that I was on and then some other ones um, that I've been on recently, you know, you just hear a litany of reasons why the forest service shouldn't move forward with these projects. And then, and they even say, that you're not listening to the public, you're not listening to the concerns and people don't support this. And then I'm able to be on and say, hey, our organization does support it. And we would argue that you did listen to the public. Um, And so for everybody who thinks that, you know, commenting on these projects doesn't do anything. I mean, I saw firsthand that it does when we can show up and show that, hey, our members do support this. It does help them. Um, when they end up signing the decision to move forward with the treatments and to manage the forest like they want to and are supposed to. Yeah, I would argue the biggest reasons the forests are mismanaged is because the loudest sentiment coming out of the public is their silence and their apathy. They don't pay attention to these things. It's a hard thing to pay attention to. I mean, we've learned over the last few years that it's a lot of work to track them all. Um, so we do make it easy for you to be part of it. We're there advocating on your behalf, but we can't be silent anymore. Uh, the, the only reason that the environmental groups are so successful to the point that the head of the Forest Service is saying this is the one of their number one obstacles in managing the forest is all the lawsuits is because the masses of the public just sit it out. They don't speak up and, and that silence is the loudest part of this process. The Sierra opinion. Club is pretty loud. <laughs> Yeah, and they show not, up to the meetings. Not these louder meetings than and... the massive number of people that are just not paying attention. Uh, that being said, I think most people are incredibly upset with how things are going. Once smoke fills the summer skies and your houses are burning down, and you can't go enjoy and experience the national forest for months, 
and then afterwards you can't get in because of all the hazardry and um, dangerous conditions that exist in a burn scar and even if they, those conditions didn't exist the burn scar tends to not be as inviting of an environment to go and explore and recreate in as the living thriving forest does and so there's a lot at stake um, I mean it's a national crisis really when you think about it I mean if even if you take away wildlife habitat homes I mean just the fact that people are dying in these wildfires because of mismanagement I mean that alone I feel like is reason to move forward with these projects um, and then the science even shows that hey wildfire is more damaging to the spotted owl than you know treating a few hundred acres yeah and so there's kind of this take no prisoners purity culture that exists with among the environmental lawyers is just creating no room for compromise and we're there to hopefully add a reasonable voice to the whole process uh, so and we want you to comment so with that said Simone I mean I know there's active forest projects right now that we're working on um, you were telling me about they haven't like the BLM, I mean, they're proposing these broad agency-wide rules that are supposedly going to impact how they manage things. What's the latest coming out of your work as far as what the public needs to be helping us with? So the Forest Service is proposing a widespread rule uh, to focus on conservation and to focus on uh, eliminating climate change through how the forests are managed and so what we could argue is the greatest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and what they're saying that is their big concern are wildfires and so if they'd simply just manage the forest then it would eliminate this problem that they're saying they need to address um but my concern is where they're looking at how to prioritize conservation on Forest Service lands and how to eliminate or reduce greenhouse gas emissions and and help control climate change, and that that's going to be used as a way to limit recreation on Forest Service lands. Um, so similarly, we're seeing the BLM proposed rule it's prioritizing conservation. It's going to be used as a tool to push the 30 by 30 agenda and to lock up more of the nation's land. And this tool for the Forest Service, I think, is going to do the same thing. It's not as extreme um, as the BLM rule, but it's still really bad. And so we do have an action alert out for that that's basically just telling the Forest Service, hey, you don't need this extra rule. Let's just manage the forest like you should. Um and we need people to show up in opposition to the environmentalists and their groups and their lawsuits so that they see there is an opposing side to that. But the proposed rule is unnecessary if they'll just manage the forest. It will get rid of a lot of the problems that they're trying to solve through extra rules and, and extra regulations. So, um, so that's this... the first one. Is that similar more, like it, the way you describe it, it sounds more like the rule that we've just closed a comment period on where they were wanting to update the NEPA regulations to prioritize greenhouse gas analysis as part of all NEPA proceedings. Is this kind of like that, that the forest has to just analyze greenhouse gas impacts or is there more to this? No, they don't. I mean, 
that's part of it. Honestly, it feels like kind of a blend of the two rules between the BLM's rule and the greenhouse gas emissions rule. So the Forest Service rule is they're looking at procedures to improve conservation on Forest Service lands and to help with climate change. That's essentially what it is. Um, and so we want them to just manage it, manage the forests, move forward with the treatments. And so the other action alert that we have is for the Lolo National Forest. Um, this has been on our radar for a while. They have, they're in the process of updating the entire forest management plan. They did pre-scoping, and now what they're doing is they are looking at recommended wilderness. Okay, um, so for people who don't know where the Lolo National Forest is, why don't we help people understand what where this is? So this is in Montana. It's further north, um, big snowmobiling area because okay. um, you've got lots of snow, obviously, or it's, you're further north. And so um, we have been working with local snowmobile groups um, and, and people locally that have been giving us information and talking to us about the proposed wilderness. Ben, do you want to talk about wilderness laundering? Yeah. So wilderness laundering is my term for what the environmental groups do to take land that's currently open for public use. And then they run it through a series of management changes that eventually make it eligible for inclusion into the wilderness system. And so when the Wilderness Acts were passed, I mean, they kind of required Congress. I mean, Congress kind of went out and designated a bunch of wilderness based off of what they kind of knew at the time. Since then, they've created wilderness study areas. The BLM has man's, lands managed with wilderness characteristics. They have ACECs. When, when folks designate national monuments, they usually end up managing them as if they were wilderness. Um, the public thinks that national parks are basically managed like wilderness. And so you have this broad confusion where you have, I call it 50 shades of wilderness. Like you have all these different variations of a wilderness designation, all of them steering things in the direction of eventually making a congressional wilderness designation and so once you put into like a forest plan that something's recommended wilderness, then the agency decision makers are going to treat that as if it is wilderness. They basically say Congress has to decide now if they're going to, and Congress could not decide this for decades. And so they'll just sit there and manage it. They've created de facto wilderness without congressional action. And so they do it through an administrative plan change like this and and the argument is, well, it has wilderness characteristics, and if people go start using it or mining it or logging it or doing all the other things you can do on Forest Service land, then it won't be eligible for wilderness anymore. So we have to treat it like wilderness until Congress decides to act. The argument makes sense, but you, the administrative decision makers of the Forest Service, do not have the authority to end run Congress. That's Congress's job. The Wilderness Act says it's up to Congress to create wilderness. And so you need to manage the land as multiple use until Congress comes in and says to not. And if that means that it makes land that is could potentially become wilderness now not eligible, then good. At least the American people got to enjoy and utilize and benefit from their natural resources. 
And if you feel like you can build the political coalitions in Congress to pass wilderness and turn it into wilderness, then that's what the law currently allows for. Congress is a powerful branch of government and can do that. The fact that they haven't got that done yet since the 1960s means there isn't broad public support for this. And so they're trying to launder it into the system to where eventually one day it'll just, they'll be like, oh, well, we've been managing this as wilderness for 20 years now. Why don't you just make it wilderness? And so we oppose anything that moves land from public domain and public use along the wilderness spectrum to where it gets shut off and closed out. And once they designate it as wilderness, you will not be accessing this area by a vehicle. You won't be accessing it by a mountain bike. You won't be accessing it by a snowmobile. You won't be accessing it with a fox or in a box or on a house with a mat. Like you will not be accessing this <laughs> land unless it's on your own two feet, Sam I am. <laughs> and that is a huge misconception that people have about wilderness because people hear wilderness, they think it's the great outdoors. I always think of the movie Up and the little boy, I can't even remember his name on it, but he says the wilderness must be explored. And people think it's just the great outdoors and wilderness, but no, congressionally designated wilderness restricts basically all uses. And so then when you have wilderness laundering, then you're getting even more land that's managed as wilderness as if it was congressionally designated, but you're bypassing Congress to do it. So it's not even going through the right channels. And it's just bad. I mean, it just completely locks up the land from the American people and makes it one unusable and two at a huge, huge risk for these wildfires um, that then go and burn and spread into non-wilderness areas and then go burn up people's houses and personal property. And so that's yeah, where we're I at with the Lolo. Seeing a picture once of two Forest Service employees out in the backcountry of some wilderness with a mule and a handsaw that they were both going to like both go saw down trees together like you used to see on like Disney cartoons with Donald Duck. This like ancient way of like harvesting wood out of a forest. And it's, that's, 2023 that's how you can wilderness. manage a forest in 2021 if you're in a wilderness area. You get to hoof it in there on the back of a mule with a handsaw and... Well, That's domestic animals, they're actually looking to restrict in wilderness areas, too, I'm starting to see. So you won't even be yeah. able to go in there with a mule soon. Well, that's, that's a forest service. They give themselves some administrative exclusivity there. And, I mean, we're starting to, like, the more we're dig- we've been digging into film permitting rules on public land. And in the National Park Services that we've publicly commented on, they're saying that to film, even if you are one person with a cell phone, if you want to make a video on your phone in a wilderness area, you have to have a permit. And so the take only pictures, leave only footprints, even that's going out the door right now. So if you're someone who enjoys the outdoors and enjoys you being in the outdoors, you probably shouldn't support wilderness. Call it something else. Support the outdoors. Support public land. Support outdoor recreation. Post it on Instagram, but if you support wilderness, you're supporting you not being there. And some people, that's what they want. Good. Be honest about it. But if you actually want to be there, then you should not be supporting you can't support wilderness. the creation of wilderness. It, that is antithetical to what you want. It sounds good. It feels good. They've done a really good job of making it feel like that's how it should be. 
you won't be there anymore if that's where all of this goes. And so we will have an action alert to kind of advise the Forest Service to leave those recommended wildernesses out of their plan, keep it open for multiple use. Yeah, and, and it's a lot. I mean, so they already have congressionally designated wilderness within the Lolo, right up next to the Lolo. But then they're also, so the last time they did a management plan was in 86, and they're keeping the recommended wilderness. So Congress hasn't acted since 86 to designate. But well, they'll get to it just this year. They'll get to it. So we're going to keep it no, in as recommended care. wilderness. They really don't care because no. these stupid gray area designations enable them to basically have de facto wilderness without having to go get the political support of Congress. Uh, Steve Daines' office actually has a good piece of legislation that yeah. releases a lot of these wilderness study areas, and we support that legislation. You should all support it, too. Uh, and more members of Congress should actually introduce bills to release the wilderness areas. To release it. Uh, the wilderness study areas, I should say. Uh, so if they've been in study for 40 years, it's over. Like, let's yeah, just Congress isn't going to designate it. 1.5 million acres of recommended wilderness within the Lolo National Forest. I mean, that's basically all of it. Like, it's a it's called, that's huge 1. chunk of it. 1.5 million acres of forest fire fuel at this point yeah we can't get it, it's them to too back much off of this like if I you mean, don't I like your forest burning down don't like wilderness if you like recreating you should oppose wilderness if you hate your sky summer filled skies with smoke all summer long don't support wilderness like that is one of the primary causes for this and so we all have action alerts they'll be linked in the notes to this show uh, definitely go add your voice to this uh, we will always be amplifying your voice through our own efforts, and we need your help. The Forest Service needs to hear from you, or else all they'll hear from are the the welfare lawyers that are threatening to sue them if they don't sit the on their hands that for do another sue 50 them, years. Frustrating Randy Moore. So, so let's back up Randy him. Moore, Forest Service chief, <laughs> and help him manage the forest by letting him know we support them actually managing the forest. And we'll catch you on the next episode. 